Thanks for listening to Freelance Bristol Mum. I'm Faye Dicker and I'm the Freelance Bristol Mum in question. And this week it's a time to catch up with Geraldine Taylor. Geraldine Taylor is a really good friend of mine actually, someone I've known for some time, an amazing woman and in fact grandmum to one. And she's done all sorts over her time. She's an award-winning writer. She's also a big fan of nature and all things outdoors. And she's been part of lots of initiatives um, and done all sorts when it comes to parenting over her time. Even taught parents, been part of a campaign which teaches parents to read out loud to their children. She really is a remarkable woman. So I started by asking her what it was like bringing up her son, Peter. We were talking 40 years ago and it was very different. When I had Peter, uh, women's lib hit with a big and it wasn't the thing to have a kiddie. In fact, this is true, lorry drivers would stop in the street and shout out that you should be at work. It was a completely different. There were hardly any. I think we had one local nursery and the whole business of childminding was just beginning. And did you work then? Because you didn't have family nearby, did you? No, I didn't have family. I went to work as a nursery nurse for a year and took Peter with me. That was one thing I could do. And I ran a play group. And on one morning a week, I went to teach women shorthand and typing. Because while he was young, I, I taught myself those things and qualified as a teacher of that. You really had to take any job you could. I mean, the recession now is not the first recession we've had. We were badly hit in the 70s. There were no jobs. I'm the only job I could get. And, you know, I've got a master's degree in English from Bristol University. All I could get was invoice typing. And what were you doing prior to having Peter? Prior to having Peter, I trained as a counsellor. I ran off the record, the the youth counselling service, and I'd done my teaching qualification and my probationary year. So I was quite well qualified. So how did the writing come into play? Because now you've been an author of several children's books, haven't you? And you've played a big part in helping parents read to their children. How did that come off the back of things? Um, well, I eventually got a lovely teaching job um, at Loretrette. It's where the Cancer Centre is now. It was a lovely job. And that was so nice in that, believe it or not, the head teacher allowed us, those of us that had children, to come home early. <laughs> You can't believe it now, can you? So we could be fair for them. And life relaxed up a lot. But um, my son wasn't as doing as well as I thought he could. To be honest, we had such a good time at home. I don't think he was that keen on school. And then one day the headmaster sent back a letter to all parents, telling all parents off that, you know, we should be doing tables, this, that and the other, very boring stuff with our kids. At the same time as they were virtually saying, parents, stay outside the classroom. So I got angry. And when I get angry, I do something. And I wrote this book called Be Your Child's Natural Teacher, based on all the things that I'd been doing with Peter anyway. You know, and other mums were borrowing my workbook. So that's how I got into it. And 47 publishers later, I mean, trying to get a book published that goes against the grain of common parlance is difficult. But 47... A submissions later, it was taken up by a publisher. And then eventually it was published by Penguin. So I pulled out of teaching and went on the road doing workshops for people um, here and around the country on how they could get involved in helping the schools to teach our children. And eventually it became a movement. And from a movement, as you know, it's kind of enshrined in law now. <laughs> so that's basically how I... And Lady Bird um, headhunted me to work as their educational consultant and write quite a lot of their books. So that's how that happened. 
Jodie, that's amazing. It is, isn't it? It's good. <laughs> <laughs> but believe me, it's a lot of hard work. Most of my workshops took place on Saturdays, so I never really had a normal family life for some time. It's great to pioneer, but you've really got to want to do it. What would you say it makes you your child's natural teacher? I mean, have times changed much since the sort of 70s, 80s to 2013? Oh, exponentially. We have the national curriculum now, which we didn't have, thank God, when my son was young. So the whole thing was very much determined on the character of the teacher. Some were good, some weren't, but it was a lot freer. I mean, the national curriculum... I think daunts a lot of parents. They think they can't get involved at a simple level even. Take reading, for example. A lot of parents are put off by the whole phonic business, which I know is good, but it's only one solution. And if you've been in this game as long as I have, you know everything goes round in a circle. We've done phonics and come out the other side of that, and we've done keywords and we've come out the other side of that. It just goes round. I know the wheel has to be reinvented. I honour that. Phonics sounds technical the way it's done now and it puts parents off, where in fact it's quite simple. Now this is a plea from the heart. If this matters to you, one of the things that's likely to be in increasing trouble in education is handwriting. Because it's easier, frankly, and more rewarding for young children to type than it ever is to write. I just want to tell you that writing, to develop it to a point of fluency, takes a lot of practice and stamina. So any excuse you can think of for your children to take part in a writing project is brilliant. We need handwriting stamina, and we lose this. I'm sure a lot of you will have noticed that your handwriting skills, no matter how well developed, have gone to pot since you started typing everything. Handwriting needs to be practised. That's my plea. And that's you still believe, despite this modern day and age, with all the different technology, that handwriting is really important still? It's going to be. I mean... Can you imagine a hand that can't write? Can you imagine somebody who's intelligent and can't jot a note down for somebody? Can you imagine that? Our hands are meant to be used, you know. We'll still need handwriting, otherwise we'll end up feeling very incompetent. And you've done various things as well, Geraldine, about the importance of reading to your children. You've talked to me about nursery rhymes and how it teaches the different emotional patterns. Talk that through again. Nursery rhymes are fantastic because they're little stories in their own right. They're lovely little science fiction. You don't get cows jumping over the moon, but you do in them. Um, And parents also bring emotions to life in them. Hickory dickory dock, the mouse ran up the clock. You know, they bring, you bring the speech patterns of the way we are into nursery rhymes. They're brilliant for that, rhymes. And they're something that kids can cotton on to and do. And then the most important thing, it's not just your family that knows them. When they go to playgroup, preschool rather, people know them. To nursery, people know them. So they become the beginnings of social learning, which is very important now. So as Peter was growing up, you're obviously doing an awful lot of work alongside him, Geraldine, to present day to day. And you've written various children's books. Yeah. You've got a huge interest in uh, nature and the wildlife. Talk me through some of those books that you've written. Well, again, everything comes around in circles now. And I wrote a book called Planting Acorns, How to Give Your City Child a Country Childhood, uh, based on what we used to get up to over the Avon Gorge and how you can do, if you like, safe adventure, which is everybody's grail now, isn't it? How to do safe adventure. Um, I think the National Trust, hasn't it, has published a list of 50 things children should do before they're 11 and three quarters. Basic stuff like climbing a tree. It's not rocket science. 
but we need to have adventure. I mean, it sounds to me you had an adventure yourself yeah. um, throughout your your motherhood as a you know a yeah. young mother. Yes. And what you did is amazing. Did you ever think it would take off as it did in this way? No, no. We did it because, to begin with, we didn't have much money. So we thought, well, how better to spend Saturday morning than going up the downs and seeing what you saw? <laughs> you know, and we found out you could see more than you think. And we went farther afield over to Lee Woods and we became National Trust wardens, all of us, including Peter. And, and you had just adventures. But don't forget, I, I come, I was brought up as a child in the aftermath of the war, which was wonderful chaos. Oh, it was, nothing was organised. There were no keep-out signs. You went where you liked. No health and safety. So adventure was written into the whole body of us. If we went on a cycle ride, there were no phones to keep in touch. Thank God. You know, <laughs> you know it, the restrictions today are unimaginable to me. And you now have a, a nearly one-year-old or a one-year-old granddaughter, yes, don't you? I and do. are you enjoying her? Oh, she's ever so sweet. She's really, really sweet. I think there's nothing quite like being a grandparent. I mean, the joy when you, um, when you see your first grandchild is overwhelming. And I think it's also a kind of sign, if you like, that um, your own child's settled down and married and is a, a parent. And that's a wonderful thing because it's all you want as a parent is for your child to be happy. And what's really? it like to watch Lucy discover the world and make her first steps and her first her first words even? Oh, really sweet. Her first word was shoes, which I think is kind of indicative of something. <laughs> but Peter's determined that she'll have a... I mean, they live in London, so he's determined that they'll have a wildlife um, upbringing, just like he did, you could, which you can have in the middle of the city still. What would you like your legacy to be? Geraldine, I mean, you've done so much here, haven't you, in bringing up your son and for generations and generations of, of children. If there was one thing you could be remembered by, what would you like it to be? Gosh, we can't leave physical things behind us, thank God. All we can do is leave our values behind. And it's that value that um, kindness counts and the outdoor is the way to sanity. <laughs> it would be that. The outdoor is the way to sanity. What a fantastic motto. There's an excuse to go for a walk outdoors, if ever I heard one. And don't forget to download Geraldine's next podcast, which is really interesting. It's all about the importance of reading to your child.